Hello, I am your host, Pedro Gelabert from the Long Island Church of Christ, reading with you the chronological Bible reading in one year using God's Word Translation by God's Word to the Nations Mission Society. Romans chapter 4. What can we say that we have discovered about our ancestor Abraham? If Abraham had God's approval because of something he did, he would have had a reason to brag, but he could not brag to God about it. What does Scripture say? Abraham believed God, and that faith was regarded as the basis of Abraham's approval by God. When people work, their pay is not regarded as a gift, but something they have earned. However, when people don't work but believe God, the one who approves ungodly people, their faith is regarded as the basis of God's approval. David says the same thing about those who are blessed. God approves of people without their earning it. David said, Blessed are those whose disobedience is forgiven and whose sins are pardoned. Blessed is the person whom the Lord no longer considers sinful. Are only the circumcised people blessed? Or are uncircumcised people blessed as well? We say, Abraham's faith was regarded as the basis of God's approval. How was his faith regarded as the basis of God's approval? Was he circumcised or was he uncircumcised at that time? He had not been circumcised. Abraham's faith was the basis of his approval by God while he was still uncircumcised. The mark of circumcision is the seal of that approval. Therefore, he is the father of every believer who is not circumcised, and their faith, too, is regarded as the basis of their approval by God. He is also the father of those who not only are circumcised, but are also following in the footsteps of his faith. Our father Abraham had that faith before he was circumcised. So it was not by obeying the laws and Moses' teachings that Abraham or his descendants received the promise that he would inherit the world. Rather, he received this promise through God's approval that comes by faith. If those who obey Moses' teachings are the heirs, then faith is useless and the promise is worthless. The laws and Moses' teachings bring about anger. But where those laws don't exist, they can't be broken. Therefore, the promise is based on faith so that it can be a gift. Consequently, the promise is guaranteed for every descendant, not only for those who are descendants by obeying Moses' teachings, but also for those who are descendants by believing, as Abraham did. He is the father of all of us, as Scripture says, I have made you a father of many nations. Abraham believed when he stood in the presence of the God who gives life to dead people and calls into existence things that don't even exist. When there was nothing left to hope for, Abraham still hoped and believed. As a result, he became a father of many nations. As he had been told, this is how many descendants you will have. Abraham didn't weaken. Through faith, he regarded the facts. His body was already as good as dead, now that he was about a hundred years old, and Sarah was unable to have children. He didn't doubt God's promise out of a lack of faith. Instead, giving honor to God for the promise, he became strong because of faith, and was absolutely confident that God would do what he promised. That is why Abraham's faith was regarded as the basis of his approval by God. But the words, his faith was regarded as the basis of his approval by God, were written not only for him, but also for us. Our faith will be regarded as the basis of our approval by God, 
each one of us who believe in the one who brought Jesus our Lord back to life. Jesus our Lord was handed over to death because of our failures and was brought back to life so that we could receive God's approval. Romans chapter 5 Now that we have God's approval by faith, we have peace with God because of what our Lord Jesus Christ has done. Through Christ we can approach God and stand in His favor. So we brag because of our confidence that we will receive glory from God. But that's not all. We also brag when we are suffering. We know that suffering creates endurance, endurance creates character, and character creates confidence. We're not ashamed to have this confidence because God's love has been poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. Look at it this way. At the right time, while we were still helpless, Christ died for ungodly people. Finding someone who would die for a godly person is rare. Maybe someone would have the courage to die for a good person. Christ died for us while we were still sinners. This demonstrates God's love for us. Since Christ's blood has now given us God's approval, we are even more certain that Christ will save us from God's anger. If the death of His Son restored our relationship with God while we were still His enemies, we are even more certain that, because of this restored relationship, the life of His Son will save us. In addition, our Lord Jesus Christ lets us continue to brag about God. After all, it is through Christ that we now have this restored relationship with God. Sin came into the world through one person, and death came through sin. So death spread to everyone because everyone sinned. Sin was in the world before there were any laws, but no record of sin can be kept where there are no laws. Yet, death ruled from the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even over those who did not sin in the same way Adam did when he disobeyed. Adam is an image of the one who would come. There is no comparison between God's gift and Adam's failure. If humanity died as the result of one person's failure, it is certainly true that God's kindness and the gift given through the kindness of one person, Jesus Christ, has been showered on humanity. There is also no comparison between God's gift and the one who sinned. The verdict which followed one person's failure condemned everyone, but after many failures, the gift brought God's approval. It is certain that death ruled because of one person's failure. It's even more certain that those who receive God's overflowing kindness and the gift of His approval will rule in life because of one person, Jesus Christ. Therefore, everyone was condemned through one failure, and everyone received God's life-giving approval through one verdict. Clearly, through one person's disobedience, humanity became sinful, and through one person's obedience, humanity will receive God's approval. The laws and Moses' teachings were added to increase the failure. But where sin increased, God's kindness increased even more. As sin ruled by bringing death, God's kindness would rule by bringing us His approval. This results in our living forever because of Jesus Christ our Lord. Romans chapter 6 What should we say then? Should we continue to sin so that God's kindness will increase? That's unthinkable. As far as sin is concerned, we have died. So how can we still live under its influence? Don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into His death? When we were baptized into His death, we were placed into the tomb with Him. As Christ was brought back from death to life by the glorious power of the Father, so we, too, should live a new kind of life. 
If we've become united with him in a death like his, certainly we will also be united with him when we come back to life as he did. We know that the person we used to be was crucified with him to put an end to sin in our bodies. Because of this, we are no longer slaves to sin. The person who has died has been freed from sin. If we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ, who was brought back to life, will never die again. Death no longer has any power over him. When he died, he died once and for all to sin's power. But now he lives, and he lives for God. So consider yourselves dead to sin's power, but living for God in the power Christ Jesus gives you. Therefore, never let sin rule your physical body so that you obey its desires. Never offer any part of your body to sin's power. No part of your body should ever be used to do any ungodly thing. Instead, offer yourselves to God as people who have come back from death and are now alive. Offer all the parts of your body to God. Use them to do everything that God approves of. Certainly, sin shouldn't have power over you because you're not controlled by God's laws, but by God's favor. Then what is the implication? Should we sin because we are not controlled by God's laws, but by God's favor? That's unthinkable. Don't you know that if you offer to be someone's slave, you must obey that master? Either your master is sin or your master is obedience. Letting sin be your master leads to death. Letting obedience be your master leads to God's approval. You were slaves to sin, but I thank God that you have become wholeheartedly obedient to the teachings which you were given. Freed from sin, you were made slaves to do what God approves of. I'm speaking in a human way because of the weakness of your corrupt nature. Clearly, you once offered all the parts of your body as slaves to sexual perversion and disobedience. This led you to live disobedient lives. Now, in the same way, offer all the parts of your body as slaves that do what God approves of. This leads you to live holy lives. When you were slaves to sin, you were free from doing what God approves of. What did you gain by doing those things? You're ashamed of what you used to do because it ended in death. Now that you've been freed from sin and have become God's slaves, this results in a holy life and, finally, an everlasting life. The payment for sin is death, but the gift that God freely gives is everlasting life found in Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans chapter 7 Don't you realize, brothers and sisters, that laws have power over people only as long as they are alive? I'm speaking to people who are familiar with Moses' teachings. For example, a married woman is bound by law to her husband as long as he is alive. But if her husband dies, that marriage law is no longer in effect for her. So if she marries another man while her husband is still alive, she will be called an adulterer. But if her husband dies, she is free from this law, so she is not committing adultery if she marries another man. In the same way, brothers and sisters, you have died to the laws and Moses' teachings through Christ's body. You belong to someone else, the one who was brought back to life. As a result, we can do what God wants. While we were living under the influence of our corrupt nature, sinful passions were at work throughout our bodies. Stirred up by the laws and Moses' teachings, our sinful passions did things that result in death. But now we have died to those laws that bound us, God has broken their effect on us so that we are serving in a new spiritual way, not in an old way dictated by written words. What should we say then? Are the laws in Moses' teachings sinful? That's unthinkable. In fact, 
I wouldn't have recognized sin if those laws hadn't shown it to me. For example, I wouldn't have known that some desires are sinful if Moses' teachings hadn't said, never have wrong desires. But sin took opportunity provided by this commandment and made me have all kinds of wrong desires. Clearly, without laws, sin is dead. At one time, I was alive without any laws. But when this commandment came, sin became alive, and I died. I found that the commandment which was intended to bring me life actually brought me death. Sin, taking the opportunity provided by this commandment, deceived me and then killed me. So the laws and Moses' teachings are holy, and the commandment is holy, right, and good. Now, did something good cause my death? That's unthinkable. Rather, my death was caused by sin, so that sin would be recognized for what it is. Through a commandment, sin became more sinful than ever. I know that God's standards and Moses' teachings are spiritual, but I have a corrupt nature, sold as a slave to sin. I don't realize what I'm doing. I don't do what I want to do. Instead, I do what I hate. I don't do what I want to do, but I agree that God's standards are good. So I'm no longer the one who is doing the things I hate, but sin that lives in me is doing them. I know that nothing good lives in me, that is, nothing good lives in my corrupt nature. Although I have the desire to do what is right, I don't do it. I don't do the good I want to do. Instead, I do the evil that I don't want to do. Now, when I do what I don't want to do, I'm no longer the one who is doing it. Sin that lives in me is doing it. So I've discovered this truth. Evil is present with me even when I want to do what God's standards say is good. I take pleasure in God's standards and my inner being. However, I see a different standard at work throughout my body. It is at war with the standards my mind sets and tries to take me captive to sin standards, which still exist throughout my body. What a miserable person I am! Who will rescue me from my dying body? I thank God that our Lord Jesus Christ rescues me. So I am obedient to God's standards with my mind, but I am obedient to sin standards with my corrupt nature.